You are now listening to Redbeard Talks Redbirds, your home for all things Cardinals baseball. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Hobby Card Shop in Jupiter, Florida, located right in the heart of Abacoa, about a block down from Roger Dean Stadium. This is the go-to place for all sports lovers where you can buy and sell cards and sports memorabilia. Hobby Card Shop. Hold, collect, sell. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Redbeard Talks Redbirds. I am joined by Dave Stovall, my much older, much uglier cousin. Welcome. Thank you. I'll take that. I'll own it. Don't even don't even care. I'll own it. That's fine. The the beard the beard is smaller. The hair is a little grayer. But with age comes. Well, I keep my hair short so you can't see the gray here. It's coming in. It's coming. All right. It's coming. There's no stopping it. Keep working hard. It'll keep popping out. Oh, good. I got something to look forward to. You betcha. All right, Dave. Where are you from? What do you do? Why are you here? What's the meaning of life? The meaning of life is work as hard as you can to spend your best time watching baseball. No, we're not talking about that. (laughs) Uh, No, who I am. uh, I am a lifelong Cardinals fan who has grown up and lived his entire life in enemy country. I am in Houston, Texas, um, home of home of the now two time world champion Houston Astros. But for my entire life, I used to taunt Houston Astros fans about whether they can count to zero because that's how many world titles they had. And we had, you know, nine, 10, 11. Um, oh, yes. So similar uh, conversation that we always used to have with Cubs fans. Cubs fans got the same thing. Like, like how many years does it take you to win one? Just one? Get one? Well, OK, now they got their one. OK, so give them another hundred years. They'll get another. They'll be back. It'll be fine. You know, every, every hundred years, like clockwork, you know, Um you know, their 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 last World Series parade was horse and buggy and not a not an automobile. You know, so Ouch. good for you guys, good for you guys. Um, now that the Astros have finally turned it on and they're competitive, and now all of a sudden Houston is a baseball town. But uh, one it of the things be argued us, that that could be in part due to people that we allowed the Astros to hire. But let's move on. There's there's that there's that. It's okay. Um, you know, they they throw back they throw back accusations of uh, hacking into our, into computer systems, and I'm like, those were our computer systems to begin with. I don't know, I don't know what you're I don't know what you're complaining That's about. Right. That was all our stuff to begin with. What are you What are you yelling about? Uh, but yes, I grew up enemy territory. I uh, actually grew up in Philadelphia and New York back when back in the '80s when the Cardinals were in the National League East and hot rivals with the Phillies and the Mets. And uh, I was like that. Me and my little brother were the only two wearing wearing red, in uh, you know, in a sea of uh, Yankees and Mets fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those are fun times. Those are fun times. Um, but uh, as you as you well know, the, the cardinal the cardinal fan thing runs deep in the family, multi generations. So uh, yes, never never was never was going to roll over and turn into a pond scum Met fan. That just was not going to happen. Um, so you'd be kicked out of the family. You'd have to change. Well, yes. Name. Yes. And, uh, and, and for all the faults of this family, I'll take that over, over the ponds, go Mets. Like no, uh, no regrets there, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 85, 87, um, when the Mets backup catcher slid into the Cardinals dugout and, uh, broke, 
was it John Tudor's leg? Uh, yeah, I lived in New York when that happened. Uh, I was awesome. Um, so yeah, there it is. Um, but you can, you can tell the business that I own and run has got some red bird in there. Um, in the name of my business. Uh, so it, it runs deep. Um, yeah, been a, been a fan since before you were born, little cousin. So yeah, it comes with the territory. Like yeah. I said, I, I'm the younger, prettier version. So, well, you know, sometimes it takes a few iterations to get things, you know, better and right. But that, <laughs> that, means, that means that your little sister's the perfection, right? That's, that's what that means. Oh, sweet Jesus. That's what she needs. That's, that's, that's what her ego her, needs. Her ego's not where it needs to be. She needs one more compliment. One, one more compliment and she'll get there. Well, let, let's move right. on. All right. Yep. Let's All right. Move on. Have right, you, what uh, you had a chance to watch any spring baseball? I watched a few highlights uh, from the first couple of games. I love, I, I got I to say, I'm excited about what I'm seeing in the first couple of games. Like, like mm -hmm. guys are out there playing hard. They're working hard. Like the, the Sonny Gray videos and some of our young pitchers playing, pitching real well early in the, in the spring. Like that's encouraging yeah. stuff. Um, but most of all, most of all, like, like, dang, Mason Wynn looks like the real deal. Like I, I, I'm excited to see what that dude can do. That's uh, what I'm seeing too. So the, I believe Monday last week was the first full squad workout. And I went to the backfields and I'm watching them and I, I left a little, a little disappointed. It seemed kind of like a little league workout and people didn't really care and weren't really trying. They weren't really oh. doing a whole lot of anything. But then I was back there again last week, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it was a totally different thing. It was all business. Everybody's doing all the fundamental drills. They're really into it. They're doing live BP. And honestly, everyone's looking good. Um, I saw Mason Wynn taking some batting practice. He looks good. I saw him the other day before the first spring, spring game uh, taking BP. And he was talking to a coach and kind of working on his stance and looked like he's basically trying to stay in and not fly out and watching him, you know, pick up some ground balls, make some plays, get some hits. He looks good. Arenado's swinging the bat well. He looks good. Um, Goldie's looking good. Matt Carpenter's looking good. I've seen him take some good cuts. In the first game, he hit three balls hard. I think he only got one base hit, but he got he got three good swings. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing. Now, I will say Libertor in the first game, that was not pretty. There's... Okay. There's past balls. There's uh, it wasn't good, but there's there's some other good things happening. Tink hints, um, yeah. he's looking good. So that's exciting to see what happens. You know, maybe later this year, maybe next year. However, that plays out. Okay. No, I'm excited so, about Tink. I'm, I'm I'm happy. Like I gotta say that I'm happy that we didn't like spend this off season like uh, uh, trading the farm. Like if, if we'd have given up and traded away guys like Mason Wynn or Tink Hentz or Victor Scott or uh, any of those guys, I would have been pretty frustrated. I'd have been pretty upset. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's not to say that you can't make some trades, you know, you know, trading away Richie Palacios to get a piece of your bullpen. Like that was a good move. I hope that's, that should be a win-win for, for Tampa and for us. Like that's fine. Yeah. Um, but those are the kind of, but there was so much talent out there in the free agent market that like unloading the farm system for somebody just, I felt like would have been a stupid move. And I'm glad we didn't do that. 
Um, I feel like historically the Cardinals do a really good job of making strong business decisions. Um, I like that they don't go out and just pay a bunch of players a ton of ridiculous money. And then of course they underperform, you know, you could go back years to like, uh, John Carlos Stanton Cardinals were interested in him, I, and, you know, didn't win the, the raffle or whatever you want to call it. I'm so glad moment. they didn't. That's I an mean, interesting one. Cause I, cause I actually had, um, thought back to that particular off season just this morning. I was thinking about that very one. And I'm, I'm, it's kind of interesting you brought it up because that was that was actually a big turning point for a lot of different franchises that offseason. If you recall, the Marlins had a whole fire sale that offseason, and they dealt away. They traded off an all-star outfield. The, and and then an all-star catcher the, the year after that. Yeah, that's that right. Philly, that went to Philly. Okay, so there were four all-star players that the Marlins fire sailed off. And the Cardinals ended up with one of them. Uh, by the name of Marcelo Zuna. Didn't quite go quite as didn't, we liked it to, but it wasn't no, bad. But we we gave up way too much in that trade, as it turns out. We didn't know yeah. it then. But like I don't I don't want to go back and like revisionist history and, and attack the, the GM for making a bad deal there because because it didn't work out. And we gave up Alcantara and we gave up Zach Gallon and all this stuff. And like, okay. Truth of the well, matter the is thing they, that interests me is I'm not sure if interest is the the right word, but like everyone is motivated this year. All the players, all the coaches, the front office, everyone is motivated this year. And it really seems like a year where, you know, we've started getting more revenue because of TV deals and other things like that. I I don't really understand why we're not going and spending a little bit more money and doing another deal, you know, and there's, Obviously, we're not privy to all the information that's available, but for me, I want Jordan Montgomery, and I don't understand why we're not doing it. And maybe maybe they've tried, and maybe they're trying to make some calls. Who knows? But I, that's a guy. I, I, I would totally agree to with you. I've, I've heard you say that in your in your couple podcasts before this. And I'm going to keep saying it until he signs. I, I think you need to keep saying it. I think we all need to keep saying it. I think, and and I think that the. I even feel like Woodruff who the Brewers bought, brought back just the other day. Yeah. I feel like he would have been a good sign. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there's a number of, there's a number of guys that would have been um, that, that uh, you know, if you want to go get Blake Snell, that would be fantastic, but it's going to cost a bunch of money. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel and, like you get Jordan for a little bit less and we know yes. what we're getting. And, and I'd be, and I'd be thrilled with either one of them, uh, but to, and while I think you should keep preaching that, and I think the sports writers should keep preaching that, and all of that, I, you're you're touching on a bigger subject for me. Is that I don't like even if you went and got Jordan Montgomery tomorrow, I still feel like that's half of what we should have done. Really, so really. For me, I think if we go get Jordan Montgomery, all of a sudden we're having conversations of playing in the NL championship. Yeah, but you got to expect that there are three powerhouse teams in the National League: the Phillies, the Braves, and the Dodgers. And our roster, as it's currently constructed, does not match up with those rosters. Now, I know that's on paper, and it's all theoretical, and things happen in short series and all that kind of stuff. But do you really want, like, a short series um, underdog puncher's chance? Or do you want to stand toe-to-toe with them with a roster that competes with the Dodgers, the Braves, the Phillies? Of course, and, I and want eventually to have the, the team, the strongest that we possibly can. 
But at the same time, I feel like you have to try to strike a balance because you don't want to be too good because when you're too good, you get time off, you lose the momentum, and those teams almost never win the World Series anymore. It's almost always the wild card teams or the teams that didn't stop playing. They didn't rest their stars. Those are the ones that almost every year are winning. I so how do you strike that? I hear, your, I hear your point. I hear your point. But it sounds to me like what you just said was you don't want to win 100 games. You want to win 93 games. That's what you that's what it if just sounds like. If I can like win 93 games, get the division, and then all of a sudden everyone happens to be healthy and we've got the momentum and we just keep rolling. I mean, 2004, my personal opinion, one of the best Cardinal teams we've ever had. Okay. We got to the World Series and laid a giant friggin' egg. Granted, there's other things happening in baseball. Moving on. 06, it's a huge disappointment compared to the 05 and the 04, te- the 04 and the 05 team. And the they make it happen. They they pick up some players. We get healthy. We get momentum. And we make it happen. Okay, but here's why. Same exact thing happened. Chris Carpenter yelled at everybody, throws the whole team on his back, and we all go and win the World Series. It's here's got to have the momentum and you got to have the right pieces in place. You know, it can't be a a New York Yankees thing where you go and buy an all star team because you've got to have role players and you got to have people that work well together. You have to have a team. But here's I don't know why I'm getting that anymore. I lost it. Well, here's my here's my opposing point of view. And I'm going to go back to your 2004, five, six example, because I think that's the perfect example is that I feel like management built in 04 a juggernaut roster with the with the Edmonds, Pujols, Roland, Carpenter, uh, Woody Williams, um, Isringhausen. I think uh, Supon was there, wasn't he? Supon was on that. Supon was huge in that team. Well, uh, and the one guy that always gets forget on, forgotten on that team, Reggie Sanders. And Reggie he was Sanders underrated. was on the – He was a stud. He was on the 04 team. I don't think he was on the 06 team. Correct. Larry Walker was in the midst of that. A bunch of other guys. David Eckstein was was on the 05 and 16. He was on six. Yeah, five and six. Renteria was on 04. Yes. Eckstein came in 05 to replace Renteria. I thought we had um, someone else in 05, but go on. Either way. I feel like management built a juggernaut roster starting in 04 and they had a championship window with that juggernaut roster for three years mm-hmm. and we went deep in the playoffs all three years and it cashed in all the way one out of three and i and 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 we went to the nlcs all three years went to the world series two years won the championship one out of three that's a that's a great championship window and i think that's what you should aim to do is build a juggernaut roster with a with a three to four year window that can go out and play deep into the playoffs. We kind of had that in 11, 12, 13. 12 didn't really work out, but 12 and 13 did because we had a we had a tremendous roster. And yeah, you lost a huge piece of your roster in the midst of that when Pujols dumped us for California. But you replaced him with a guy like Beltron and some other guys, Alan Craig and guys like that. Lance Berkman. And, and Lance Berkman, yeah. Um and you and you reloaded those those things to have that juggernaut powerful roster top to bottom and mm-hmm. i feel like the I, feel, I just feel like the last four or five seasons we just have settled for a roster that's 
80 to 90 percent of that level of a roster. I would agree. That's and that's why I have a little bit of pessimism about uh about our uh potential or whatever, you know, our our chances. So for me, can... 10 plus years, every season, the Cardinals, they've got good talent, they've got good potential, and the talent doesn't quite play like it should. The potential doesn't come out like it should. People get hurt. People go sideways every year. Yes. If we had, to your point, if we had an extra piece or two, or if people aren't getting hurt, or if people are actually doing what we think they might, I mean, we're talking about crazy dynasty Cardinal baseball going on. Yeah. You you are taking it back to like the 60s at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Just a few different things going differently. Yes. But you've got to count on those injuries are going to happen. I know. And I agree with that. There was there were a few years ago where um, I think pitching one year, they were like, oh, no, we're good. We don't need any more. And then we had all Uh these crazy injuries. Mm -hmm. And then the next year it was, oh, let's go get a bunch of pitchers. That way we know we're covered. And now all of a sudden I feel we're in that exact same situation with pitching again. It's like, guys, did you not learn your lesson? That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, no, I agree with that hundred percent. And that's why I, I think like we the need... guys that we have now, but in my opinion, if we're going to do anything more than win the division, which I think we have a decent chance, but it's not a given. No, that, that if we want to do anything to more than that, the season basically has to go perfectly with the roster we've got. Yeah, exactly. And never, it never goes perfectly. Okay, like you love the 04 team. One of the things about the 04 team that was amazing was that the same five starting pitchers lasted all year. And those guys started not all year long. How that never happens now. It never it, that, that that one year was the outlier. It, that's not going to happen. I think we happen. had 13 different pitchers start a game last year. Okay, how many outfielders did we have start a game in the outfield last year? Oh lord, I don't know, but it was too many. Eight? Okay, you're looking at you're looking at the offensive roster and like sure, our 1 through 9 looks awesome if mason win turns into what you and i both think he will then our starting nine looks great with tommy edmund in center and newt bar and walker in the outfield and gorman yep. thumping at the dh spot and uh donnie baseball doing his thing at second base yep and our, and our and our three cornerstone guys at first third and catcher okay man that's a great one through nine but yeah. what happens what happens the first time that lars newt bar slams himself into the left field fence catching a fly ball or, or tommy edmund uh, uh, bruises a rib diving for something in center field or, or his wrist whatever. isn't up to par like we uh, all thought it was going to be right and so he that brings us to another aisle. thing so tommy edmund is progressing a little slower than what we thought yeah he has not swung at a pitched baseball yet he's taken tees right. and soft toss right and <clears throat> so so it's kind of a weird situation right we got mason win He's played a little bit of Major League Baseball, not a lot. Looks like he can be great, but he's probably not pains. there yet. Obviously, they're going to be growing pains. Right. Our best defensive, in my opinion, second baseman, shortstop, and center fielder is the same guy. Is hurt. He's trying to come back from a what sounds like a pretty major surgery. Honestly, yeah. Um, if he doesn't come back, then we got to have somebody else playing center field, and we don't have a backup at short. Well, yesterday we got a signing of Brandon Crawford. So for me, I saw that it might happen, and I'm <laughs> I'm getting on my phone and I'm I'm telling people why why the hell are we doing this? This does nothing to address our pitching. We've got the guys to cover it. 
you know, Brendan Donovan can move over to shortstop. We've got Fermin who can come up from AAA. We've got two guys on the bench that could play second base. We've got two more guys on the bench that could play outfield. It just, it doesn't make sense to me to take that roster spot for that purpose. But, okay, the signing happened, and then I'm looking at it going, all right, well, he used to be a stud. He's not a stud anymore, but he knows how to win. And he can yeah. definitely help Mason win along. Yes. Uh, that that means I something to I love it, but I don't hate it. I, I'm i a little more optimistic about the Brandon Crawford trade. It was only three years ago signing. that he was getting the V-votes. Signing, not signing, a trade. Signing, not trade. You're right, signing. My bad. Uh, yeah, they signed him uh, yesterday. I'm, I'm, I'm a little higher on that trade, but I, I still feel like management is – openly aiming for 90 wins squeak out the division and put butts in the seats and they're not really feel like that too juggernaut team i kind of feel yep. like that too we've got this like self-imposed limit that we're willing to pay yeah, yeah. and i, and I feel like there's sense. money there i don't obviously i don't know the financials of the team but i feel like there's money there and we can do more and it wouldn't the wouldn't the revenues make up for that if you if you rolled out a hundred win juggernaut? God, I would sure think so. I'm, I'm no mean, baseball economist, but wouldn't the revenues make up for it? Well, so look at it from this perspective, slightly different look at it. Almost every year, Bush Stadium is a hundred percent sold out plus. Except so last year. They're probably making the revenues, at least on ticket sales, that they would anyway. But to your point, TV deals, because that's where the real money is, right? And then, and then you've got concessions. Last year, the stadium was half empty for half the season, and they lost bunches of money. Right. I'm with you. I agree. Right. I so follow I me for a second. What they do most of the time from a business right. perspective, but but they don't quite finish the deal. For me, we need one more. All right, I, your all right, opinion. What do we, me, what do we need for, if you're the GM? Follow me for a second, and un unfortunately. I'm I'm two days late putting this on your podcast. That two days <laughs> two days ago this would have been the perfect move. All right, and I'm and I'm and I and I fully recognize that I'm that I'm opening DeWallet and spending DeWitt's money. Um, I would have DeWallet. signed opening DeWallet, spend it. Um, I would have advocated for not only add Jordan Montgomery as a free agent, but sign Cody Bellinger, plug him into center field, plug him into center field. Add a huge left-handed bat to a lineup that has a lot of right-handed bats. Now you've got Gorman and Bellinger in the middle of that order with Notto and Goldie and Contreras. And you've got five thumpers that alternate right, left, right, left. I had not even considered that. You move, you move your all your your excuse me, you move your gold glove second baseman back to second base to play gold glove second base. Or shortstop. And potentially slide in at shortstop if Mason Wynn has growing pains, which is kind of 50-50. And then well, you've so still got – now you've still got – The obvious upside depth. is like this year, next year, you know, however long you get him for. The downside is, okay, well, how much are we handicapping these young guys from actually getting the playing time and the experience and seeing what they can really do? Do you think Tommy you're Edmund, I think – huh? Do you think you're handicapping them or are you giving them like a real like, hey, you've got to beat out somebody for a job? There is that. 
you know, you are also creating, if they are performing properly, you're creating someone who can be traded for, you know, more talent. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're, now. if you're opening the wallet, I think that's a strong move. I don't know anything I mean, about Bellinger in a clubhouse, but he's a, he's a baseball player. He's a gamer. He's, he won a bunch of games in LA mm -hmm. and, and he was, and he was essential part, like cleanup hitter type guy for that Dodgers team that, that went to what three straight world series, won one of them, something like that. Yeah. Went to like four out of five or whatever it was. Yep. Um, and a, and a, and a legit thumper left-handed hitter that puts fear in opposing dugouts. Yeah. Um, and he plays good center field. He, 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 he increases your depth in your lineup tremendously. Now, when, when one guy gets hurt, whether it's Bellinger or Newt Barr or Walker or Donovan, whoever, somebody gets hurt, you've got a guy like Brendan Donovan who can plug right into anywhere you need him for two or three weeks while somebody recovers from a sprained wrist or a, or a, a, a pulled muscle, ribcage muscle, or a pulled hammy, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. got, plus, if you add Jordan Montgomery to that pitching staff, now you've got a roster that you stack that roster up against L.A. or Atlanta or Philly or Arizona. Uh, yeah. you got a roster that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with those teams. Yeah. And right now, right now we got a roster that goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Cubs. Okay? <laughs> you know, that's good. You're not wrong. That you're good, but you're not great yet. And I know I understand all that's on paper. I understand it's all theoretical. It's on paper. And maybe maybe Jordan Walker turns into the second coming of Willie Mays. Um, you know, and 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 we didn't need that, but uh and yeah. and, and the bonus, the bonus is if you had signed Bellinger, the Cubs don't have him. Yeah, I know, I know. So that's that's you know, that's addition to you by subtraction from them. Yeah. So that's kind of a double win. You, you take, you know, it's kind of what the Cubs did to the Brewers by stealing counsel away as they, they added to their team by subtracting from their chief rival. Can we talk about that for a second? What? Yeah. What the hell? Like, is he like, what, what the hell is, is he Milwaukee that good thinking? of a manager? Is he something yes. special? Does, can he yes. cast spells like stealing a manager so. from another team? I don't get it. It's happened before. He's not Bruce Bochy. Like he's not Tony Larusa. What are we doing? I, I kind of disagree with you there. I think Council might be the best manager in the National League. I think he's. I think he. He. I think he does more with less. But yes, Bochy win. Bochy won big last season with the Rangers, but the Rangers emptied the bank. All right, they well, went. They also Seager had how and many Simeon really good DeGrom. starting pitchers that were hurt. True. Okay, yes, they ended the bank, but also look at what he did in San Francisco, too. I mean, this yeah. wasn't coming out of nowhere. He even made Not a really, really crappy San Diego team years ago look decent. Mm -hmm. Yes, and then the Giants stole him away from San Diego because they recognized a good manager. And I think the Cubs did the exact same thing. They stole him away. Um, and and my, my son Will and I have talked about counsel for a long time, that the Brewers have always somehow with, like, scotch tape and paper clips they've held together and won divisions with rosters that don't look as good as cardinal and cub rosters but they but the brewers still come out on top and That's they've got true. you know but he hasn't been the manager there that long no nah, he's been years? there a while no nah, longer than that 
I'd have to look it up, but I bet he's been there longer than that. But but he's getting, you know, he's he's winning games with 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 uh beer league softball players playing first base and uh stuff You're like not that. Wrong. A bunch of guys you haven't heard of playing third base and, and right field and stuff like this. And and somehow they still roll out and win 93, 94 games and win a division. And um and they and he patches together bullpens that that you know, yeah, they've got like an all-star at the back end, but he patches together everything in the middle and doesn't make a mistake with his bullpen matchups and doesn't doesn't pull starters in a playoff game in the midst of pitching a shutout, uh, you know, stuff like that, that, that <clears throat> somebody did. Um, I don't a couple know. Years ago, but uh, I, right, I think so what about this? how about we pivot from that to, in my opinion, the Cardinals are going too heavy into stats and analytics and they're getting away from right. baseball minds, baseball knowledge okay. and that type of thing. Okay. I, I agree with you there, um, and I'll give you the example of the bullpen this year. I think they're I think they're really doing it with bullpen this year. I they, love what they did with the bullpen. I I like a lot of the moves as individual moves. The the Keenan Middleton and um um Kittredge. oh god I know. yes Kittredge, thank you. Um, I love those moves as an individual thing. My concern is that you've gone so hard in analytics and said, hey, we need to we need to go get strikeout guys. Uh, excuse me. Uh, we got to go get guys that miss bats and that kind of stuff that all they got were guys that do that and nothing else. Where's the guy that you bring in with the bases loaded and you need a double play ball? Yeah. Where's that guy? OK, you can say, OK, that's Palante. He's still on the roster. Okay, but that, is that the only guy you got that that does that? Um, don't you want different guys, different looks, or do you really want like a bullpen full of nothing but hard throwing, ninety nine miles an hour, um, probably going to walk a few guys because he throws hard? Is that all you got, or do you have different looks, different guys for different situations, so that your manager can match up and say, "Hey, the other team is bringing in a a a, a a 300 pound beer league softball home run hitter guy. Where's your soft tossing lefty. That's going to screw this guy into the ground with a bunch of off speed junk. Where is that guy? Yeah. Where's your, where's your Steve Klein? You yeah. Okay? We, we've had that in the past quite a bit, um, you know, and I'm not advocating for the return of Brett Cecil or nothing, but, uh, but on the other hand, I'd like to have some variety down the boat. If I'm the manager and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not half as smart as Ollie Marmol, but if I'm the manager, I want some options down there, some different guys, and not, well, this guy's throwing balls. Let me bring in another guy who's got the exact same skill set and hope that he throws strikes. Yeah. So that's 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 where I think they're leaning so hard into that analytics of it is an interesting point. Um, we've been a team that for a very long time, starters specifically, pitched to contact, hit it on the ground, sinkers, sliders curveballs, things like that. Ground ball, ground ball, ground ball. Um, Let's play defense. And and we've always had one or two of those guys in the bullpen. And yeah, I hadn't really thought about it from that angle. Um, oh, that's... And I like assemble that... a team that has the ability to play defense like our guys have, I think you have to be able to, like you said, get a double play ball and, and those things. 
Well, and and, and the the beauty of the pitch to contact thing was was always you know kind of a Dave Duncan concept, and in, and the whole point of it was to keep your starting pitchers pitch count down so that they can yeah get into the sixth and seventh instead of coming out in the fifth or the sixth, and then five, and then that makes your bullpen better because they don't have to cover the innings. Right, which which everybody knows killed us last year. Everybody everybody who watched more than three games last year understands that the pitchers coming out in the you know at four and two thirds when you know Flaherty gives you three perfect innings and then blows up in the fourth and gives up four runs and eight hits and then they have to pull him and everybody knows that that killed you. Yeah, and then you sit back and you look at that and go, man, Flaherty was great for three innings. They couldn't touch him, and then all of a sudden the wheels came off because he was throwing. 80 pitches in four innings. Yeah. And okay. So we all understand that. Um, but that doesn't mean that you like overcorrect to, you know, something completely different and say, well, now we want, we want a 12 man staff full of strikeout artists. And that's, that's all we're going to do. Yeah. For me, um, the big thing that really got my attention, you know, a few years ago, we got Mike Schilt as the manager and, I loved him. I thought he did a great job. It seemed like the players loved him. I thought the front office loved him, had a great year and went to a meeting with the front office. And then all of a sudden they decided, oh, well, he said something against analytics and we're, we're giving him the boot. And it was like, what the hell are we doing? Okay. I hated that too. That upset me. Um, I'm, I got nothing against Ollie Marmol, but I would have preferred to keep shield. Well, I don't, I agree, and my hope is that Ollie is not now becoming just a stool pigeon, you know, a puppet for the front office because the front oh, office is continuously being filled more and more with number crunchers and less and less with baseball guys. Well, if you if you don't think he's already on a string, it, I mean, he may not be a complete puppet, but there's there's a couple of strings from the front office that run down to the dugout, and they're they're tied to Marmol's hands a little bit. Yeah. If you don't believe that, I would submit one Paul DeYoung as as an example of like no manager who has complete freedom of 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 decisions would have started Paul DeYoung so many games over the last two seasons if the front office wasn't saying, "Hey, play that guy. We want to." We, we need him to we need him to produce we need him to get a chance we need him to hit so that we can trade him we need to get something out of our money for the contract something like that was was happening behind yeah. closed doors there's no way you start a you know a, a shortstop hitting 172 you know just because he hit 10 home runs yeah uh <clears throat> it's well there there's that's my piece I won't go I won't belabor it yeah, I've I've had a couple private conversations with some folks I won't name, and they kind of feel similarly. So, um, all right, we've got just under five minutes left. Looks like about okay. four and a half minutes. So sure. what I would like you to do is to give us maybe one or two good memories or stories that you've got. Okay. I got plenty of those. Like I said, I've been a Cardinal fan for more than 40 years. All right. Um, Hit me with your best shot. My best, my best shot. Um, my favorite memory, probably all time, car watching Cardinal baseball. Once again, we're gonna go. We're, once again, we're gonna go back to your favorite era of Cardinal baseball. 
what I what I think was was our juggernaut team of 04, 05, 06. And I would argue that the 05 team was actually the best of the three teams, even though they didn't go, they achieved less in the playoffs than the other two teams did. But I think that as a as a roster and performance, everything they were the best of the three teams. Okay, well, um, real quick, who was on that roster? Was, that I don't roster, think Reggie Sanders was there anymore. No, Sanders was. I think we had uh, Duncan and left. Chris Duncan, yeah, was on that team. And Larry Walker, I think, was there for Walker, 05. Walker was Walker was there for the whole year 05. They traded for him at the deadline of 04. Right, but 05, he started having back issues, and he was done after that season. That is correct. He was not on the 06 team. Who was our second baseman? Second baseman in 05 might have been. Who was uh, Ryan Terrio? Was he a shortstop or a second? Terrio played shortstop. Maybe he was our shortstop in 05. Go on. No, Eckstein was a shortstop in 05, 06. I know he was. Well, okay. Doesn't matter. My favorite memory. Keep in mind, I live in Houston. I live in enemy territory. All right. And at that point in time, the Astros and the Cardinals were two of the top teams in all of the National League and were in the same. They played incredible playoff baseball, 0405. Those are my those are my memories. Is I was present for all three of the games at Houston in that National League Championship Series. So that would have been game three, game four, game five of the National League Championship Series in 2005 at, I think they still called it Enron Field at that time. I don't think it was even called Minute Maid Park yet. Um, But they got the train track up there in left field on the top of the wall and the whole thing. And that stadium was crazy loud. Crazy. You're talking game five right now. Well, I'm all three games. Okay. There. And like game four, Jeff Kent hit a walk-off home run for Houston to win it. And uh we were there, me and my dad and my brother. We were at those three games. We bought tickets for all of them. And we shuffled out of there in our red with all these uh Astros fans screaming at us and stuff after Jeff Kent won the game. And then the next night we were there for game five. And the stadium was even louder in the top of the ninth inning. And they brought in Brad Lidge, their untouchable closer with the nasty slider and the big fastball and the whole lights thing. Lights out Lidge. Lights out Lidge. And they they turn the lights down and they're doing this like flashing strobe light effect. Yeah. The crowd is going bonkers. Hey, just so you know, you got a minute. Clemens and Pettit are on the front row going berserk. And... um couple guys scratched their way on base. I want to say it was Eckstein scratched his way on base. And then Jim Edmonds drew a walk and Pujols came up with two on and hit the bomb that ended Brad Lidge's career. And uh, the memory, the memory for me was, was I had to stand up because everybody in the stadium was standing if I wanted to see. And Lidge threw a pitch and Pujols murdered it. And it went from 110 decibels in that stadium to like 10 decibels. Like, like it just, the volume level went from like giving me a headache, your ears are bleeding noisy to boom silence. 
literal silence. And the whole stadium was was in shock, stunned. Um, and there was there was me and my dad and my brother like up in kind of upper deck, even with third base is where we saw it from. And that is uh, over top of the Cardinals dugout. So the Cardinals dugout is right below us. And then the crowd went so silent that I could literally hear the Cardinals dugout cheering from where I was in the upper deck. And everybody in the stadium went silent, shut up, and sat down all in one. And I could see on the far side of the stadium, past the first base dugout, there was another little group of Cardinal fans in their red jerseys. And they were screaming and jumping up and down. And I could hear and see them from where I was because we were the only two groups of Cardinal fans in the stadium. And, and it was there was three there was the Cardinals dugout and us and them and we were the only three groups screaming and yelling in excitement and everybody else was dead silent it was a it was it was surreal how amazing this was and it was and of I'm course it was imagining the, this as you say it and it sounds incredibly striking <laughs> yeah striking is is exactly it and so it's because of the because of the immediate change and the striking emotion of it, it's something that I'll never forget. Pujols, and then and then of course, you're filing out of the stadium, and it's the opposite feeling from the day before when Kent had hit his, and and we were dejected, like we had a chance to even the series the day before, but Kent beat us, and then today we had staved off elimination with this, and 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 uh, Pujols said cemented his legacy as a future hall of famer that night in my opinion um you know he was did he win his first mvp that year or maybe the next i can't remember but uh he was obviously an all-star mvp type of guy already but in my opinion that 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 booked his flight to cooperstown that night uh when he and, and of course he basically ended brad lidge's career because the dude was so shell-shocked he was never the same well hold on i'll 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 change the story on that slightly. He was completely down and out for the next two-ish years. He was with the Astros the following year in 06. And by the way, in the World Series, he was I remember him not being great. No, he got, um, he got beat by the White Sox in the World Series. The uh, Phillies signed him. And right. there was, I what was it, 08 when the Phillies won? That I think it was 08, right. 09. One of those years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was all of a sudden a stud again. He had, yes, if I remember right. correctly, he had a perfect regular season with no blown saves in, I think it was yes. 08 and the Phillies won yes. the World Series. So yes, he had another he to... two really good years, but he, he spent like two years, two and a half years finding himself again. But he, but go back and look it up. Even after he had those great years with Philly, he had some real struggles in the playoff moments when he got into clutch situations. He had some more problems. Oh yeah. He, he fell in off his, again for sure. Yeah. In his, in his postseason, he, he had some, what you would call a choke moment, you know, in the, but then, I mean, you gotta be fair. Like every closer, every great, clo- you name a great closer. He's had a choke moment. Like Mariano Rivera gave up the single, to Luis Gonzalez to win the World Series for the Diamondbacks in 01, I want to say. Yeah. Okay. And and Rivera's like hands down best closer ever. Like, I don't think anybody would argue with that. Um, 
Dennis Eckersley gave up the shot to Kurt Gibson in uh there's a fun story behind that but yes okay like every great closer those are two of the best closers i know and and they're going to give those up like those are you you, those are gonna happen like you pitch enough high leverage games that's going to happen somewhere in your career yeah when when your job is you have to be perfect to make sure we win well we're not all perfect we're nobody's all not perfect right so all right so i got a couple things to add on to your story shoot um, 2005 also happened to be the last season for Bush Stadium 2. So Correct. that shot where Albert hits a yes. laser beam over the railroad tracks sends the Cardinals back to St. Louis for one more game in one Bush Stadium 2, which was history. fantastic. Yes. And then now jumping back kind of forward from that point, there's a current very good Cardinal baseball player by the name of Goldie, who is a Texas boy, was also at that game, and he grew up idolizing Albert Pujols, and he watched that happen. There you go. But he's probably wearing Astros colors when it happened. Yeah, yeah. Probably was. He's a Texas boy. He went to Texas State. I got to see him play there when I was there. Oh, there you go. That's right. That's right. Okay. So So tying that in a little bit. Tying it all together. Okay. All right. Well, and then the guy we just signed – to play to be our backup shortstop brandon crawford right the famous story about brandon crawford was that he grew up a giants fan and watched the barry bonds giants back in the like that would have been the oh two world series against the angels yeah right and then he wound up getting drafted and coming to play for his for his favorite team and playing all those years and winning some three championships with his giants so a lot of those 10 two. 12 10 12 he wasn't 14, there for all three he was there for he two wasn't there Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Giants won three, but he's only there for two. Right. Okay. All right. I will I will accept the correction. Uh but yeah, so he he got to he got to run his full circle thing. So now uh here's here's my last my last point. DeWitt, Mosaloc, go give Goldie the chance to come full circle and get his championship. Thank you. Give him the chance. Love that. Thank you. Give him the chance. All right. Come on, he's still out there. Get it done. Let's do it. Get it done. Give us some. Give us some reason to be to be optimistic. Put butts in the seats. Sell <laughs> sell beers at the stadium. All that. All that. I love. I love actual hate. Love the fact that the Cardinals or excuse me, the Cubs go out and sign Bellinger, and we're like, oh yeah, take this. We're going to get a backup shortstop. Brandon Crawford. Yay. <laughs> that's 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 what I mean. That's what I mean. All right. Go do it. Uh, let's uh, let's shut this down. We got stuff to do. Okay. I got to go see a ball game. Um, we'll do this again. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you it. You betcha. You betcha. Loved it. All right, boys and girls. Right. Let's go Cardinals. Let's go Cardinals. See you, buddy. Later. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much once again for joining us for this episode of Red Beard Talks Redbirds podcast. Make sure you go over there and hit like and subscribe for this channel. And don't forget to hit that notification button. Make sure you don't miss the next episode. Let's go Cardinals.